0: What up, Montana? I haven't been cold in a minute. <laughs> and I was cold today. That was uh, definitely quite an experience. Hopefully you're having an awesome day. Happy Wednesday. And welcome in to nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey joining me in studio here like he does most Wednesdays, although we might be switching up the schedule here uh, pretty soon. Tommy, I got a little double audio here in my... Uh, Headphones. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's all good. Okay, Look. hang on, hang on. How about now? How about now? Yeah, still a little double audio. That's okay. Okay, how about now? How are we doing now? Oh yeah, now we're now we're nice. sounding like great. Right on. Uh, Tommy Evans in the back fixing everything for me. Uh, Sean and I might be doing different days when it comes uh, to this fall. We'll see. Uh, but as always, appreciate everybody for coming by and giving me time whenever they got it. a Lot to get to today. We're gonna do a little NFL right off the top here. Can't believe it's already NFL season, but very excited for it. Preseason's rolling right now. We're also going to do a little fancy football a little later on. Uh, a little bit of a change in the way that we're going to give you our Desperado wings. Uh, we've always done trivia. I think a lot of you people are scared of my trivia questions now. Uh, Sean doesn't know about anything that happened before 1990, so he's never really uh, a, good, a good lifeline either. Uh, but... We're going to be giving away uh, giving fantasy football advice. So basically, if you have fantasy questions or you need to know who you want to play or whatever, we're just going to have a general conversation about fantasy football today. Give you a dozen wings of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. But then throughout the football season, we'll be uh, taking calls, taking texts. You want who to sit, who to play. Uh, we'll have a little debate over all that. Uh, so it'll be fun. And, and uh, anybody that does participate... You'll be then entered to win 12 wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. So it should be a fun way to give you 12 of the best wings that you will have anywhere in the world. We're also going to talk a little bit about Naomi Osaka. Sean found a video yesterday of her that was uh, interesting, the, the back and forth. So we're going to play that uh, here about 4.30 as well and, and discuss that. Today on the ESPN Roundtable at the top of the hour, a wide-ranging conversation. I have uh, several... Pieces of sound to share with uh, from both Bobby Houck, Montana head coach, and Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach. And we're just going to give you some of our general thoughts and, and uh, talking points on both the Grizz and the Bobcats as they grow steadily closer to the opening of the season. 17 days away from September 4th, we are right here today. So just a little over two weeks. And then we talked, Riley Corker and I, Monday, talked a little bit about Dan Hawkins and the UC Davis Aggies, but I had misplaced the Dan Hawkins sound. So I got that ready to roll as well. So we'll hear from UC Davis's head coach and also get some thoughts, uh, from Sean on what he thinks of Davis. Cause they're sort of one of the the most random teams not random mysterious. Like there's, I don't really know what to think of Davis. They've been pretty good the last couple of years since Hawkins got there, but they have a lot to replace, including Jake Mayer, the quarterback and, uh, Tim Plowley, offensive coordinator. So, uh, we're talking a little Big Sky Conference as well to wrap things up. What's up, dude? Uh, you got to play a pretty nice golf course last week when you weren't here. So, how was that? He re- Sean played at Rock Creek, which is one of the premier courses in Montana. I've never been there. I've only seen pictures. It looks epic, though.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie. It was. Um, unfortunately, it was like super windy. Um, for the first like 12, 13 holes. So this is
0: this is like the, the thing of your life, yeah. Because yeah. we went to Coralie and it was just so like windy, sixty
1: miles an hour. Yeah, um, wasn't quite that bad, but oh man, um, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and Randy Rupert got me out out, out there and uh, went with the Buseys and had a great time. And um, it's. It's so. It's just a very unique course, and every hole is you're kind of on your own, and you don't see all the other holes, which is like exactly what I like as a course. The fairways are pretty wide, but they yeah. there's so many hills and undulations, and you you never are have a flat lie and a, a completely flat shot unless you exactly know where you're going. Um, but the course was incredible. The greens our every single green is like crazily sloped and really yeah. fast. So you got to kind of manipulate around the greens a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the experience going out there for sure. Awesome. Awesome course.
0: Stocks us talk the NFL. I'm very excited about the NFL season coming up. I'm particularly excited because, uh, Sean, I don't know if you improved or ruined my life more by showing me all the ins and outs of, uh, sports betting, but it's certainly a <laughs> thing. And, uh, Last NFL season, I was uh, a little bit more, um, how do you say, I took a lot of risks. (laughs) And I was not using Sean's frugal methods and his units and all the ways he breaks things down. I've then since gone to that method because it's a lot better and more fun. And uh, I think you win a lot more consistently. But when you lose, it's not like you just lost a couple hundred bucks. So taking Sean's advice, really reeling it in. And I'm excited for that element of it. But uh, either way, just excited to watch the NFL. If you need a place to watch the NFL this fall, head on down to the Silver Slipper. They have 55 TVs for you to watch all the sports, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Silver Silver Slipper will have it on for you. they got drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Across the street from Walmart on Brooks, go check out the Silver Slipper, one of Montana's best-kept secrets. We're going to be doing division-by-division division breakdowns. Uh, we talked a little bit about broad storylines last Friday with Andrew Houghton here on Nuanas Now. Um, but today we're going to talk about the the West, both the AFC and the NFC West. So we'll start with the AFC West because you're a Chargers guy. And uh, I think that, I mean, probably obviously the Western divisions, besides probably the, the NFC North, uh, the Western divisions are the teams where the people from Montana are probably the most fans of them. I, mean, I think probably... What would you say? I would say, what's the teams that are followed the most in Montana? Probably Broncos are definitely way up there. And the Seahawks, for sure. By the way, we will be the official uh, affiliates of the Seattle Seahawks again this fall. So very excited about that. But we will also be carrying the entire national slate of NFL games anytime there's not a conflict with the Seahawks. So, for example, let's say the Seahawks are playing Monday night. Well, then we'll have an NFL doubleheader on Sunday. Let's say the Seahawks play in the morning game and there's a night game on ESPN Radio. We'll play that for you, too. So we're going to have football all the time on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays, so look forward to that. Uh, Broncos, Seahawks, I think that there's a lot of Packers fans around here, too. Yep. Vikings. Bi- Vikings. There's a lot of Vikings fans, especially older. I'm actually one of the only young Vikings fans I know, but there were so many Vikings fans because the Vikings were so good in the er- late 60s and early 70s, so a lot of like the dad-age guys, or I guess, well, I guess dad-age guys are our age now, uh, but g- g- I guess the grandpa-age guys. Yeah. But uh, around here, there's a lot of uh, Vikings fans, too. But Certainly a lot of uh, AFC and NFC West followers. So let's start right off the top. The uh, San Diego turned Los Angeles Chargers, I think have pretty elevated expectations coming into this year. Justin Herbert had one of the great rookie seasons in the history of the NFL for a quarterback. They have a new coach uh, listening to you and hanging out with you both on this show and and otherwise. Uh, I know you are not very happy about Anthony Lynn and his coaching decisions, so they have an opportunity to get a lot better in that realm, um, and the Chargers—they've always had great talent. But I think what's up? So first of all, I guess my main, my number one question for the Chargers is how's their health on defense, particularly the two studs that they need to be healthy, Joey Bosa and Dron James.
1: Well, coaching. Um they uh, are not playing Derwin James this entire preseason, so that's good. That's have... fantastic. Yeah, and Herbert. He doesn't need to practice. Yeah, Herbert's not playing either. They're they're sitting a lot of guys. So he, so Brandon Steely kind of comes from, he came from over from the Rams. Sean McVay, sure. Who and McVay is kind of known for not playing guys in the preseason. Sure. Which I'm all uh, I I'm if I was a coach I would not play my guys the majority of my guys in the preseason because. Especially now that it's a 17-game regular season, that the NFL is just too too long and grueling, and I'm just not going to risk any of my guys getting hurt in a meaningless game because I don't really think it's it's worth it to be you know a tad bit sharper to start the season maybe than it is to sustain an injury. So yeah, that's been kind of the Chargers' bugaboo over the last uh, I don't know feels like forever is they just cannot stay healthy. Also, though, you know that happens to a lot of teams, and you know they just haven't been constructed with a deep enough roster to be able to sustain some of those injuries. And uh, I, I think that they're a little bit deeper, and they're improved along the offensive line with Rayshon Slater. Um, that the rookie the that kid they took in the Northwestern, first round right? yeah, yeah he's, he's good he was awesome in the in the first preseason game this is gonna be a very interesting division I think Ken City is obviously heavily favored to win it and they should win it but the battle for you know two three four in this division um it's gonna be pretty interesting I think it's going to be between the Chargers and the Broncos with, and I I would I would think that the the Raiders end up fourth in the division but it's hard to kind of put a pulse on how good both the Broncos and the Chargers are going to be because the Chargers have so many questions. Just with, you know, new coach, um, will Herbert take that next step in the second year? I I think that the, the Chargers are going to be better just because Anthony Lynn, I think, was, if not the worst, one of the worst head coaches in the NFL last year as far as game management and... All of that. Anthony
0: the, Anthony Lynn is the Kurt Cousins of head coaches. Dude, it was... He's okay, and he's, in fact, okay and good sometimes until the last two or three minutes of a game, and then he's terrible, just well, like Kurt Cousins. He's, he's kind of more of a, uh,
1: a leader sure. and a motivator, yes. but not a very, like, analytic, smart... Well, right. I when mean, how it comes many, to game situations so they, bad. I mean,
0: they, lo- they lost... So many games by less than a touchdown over the last two years. Well,
1: yeah, and it's so I mean, many it had times, to be like an NFL
0: record,
3: well, honestly. So, yeah,
1: so many times when, you know, they just like let 30 seconds go off the clock and then they call a timeout. Just like little things that you just watch it and you're like, man, my, you know, 12-year-old, a 12-year-old would have better clock management on Madden. You know what I mean? So it's just <laughs> uh, kind of brutal in that sense. So I think they'll be, and, and they're also, you know, they get rid of Gus Bradley, the defense coordinator sure. who was kind of, you know, pretty vanilla. I, I just think that Brandon Staley, who everyone that has played underneath him says that he's really, really good. Like Jalen Ramsey said, it's he's the best coach that he's ever had.
0: Wow. Um, and Jalen Brown or Jalen Ramsey, excuse me, played for Bobby Bowden. So that's yeah. Big so
1: hurts. I think he will put guys in a in a better situation to succeed. And then, I mean, you and I are in the same philosophy. I don't I don't think um, a football team could be really good if you have a terrible offensive line, and. The Chargers look to improve that, and should be very, you know, much better. They are they're the worst offensive line in football last year. They got a lot right. of talent, but if you don't have a good offensive line, you're going to suck. And so, I think improving that could be good. Broncos are the, the question mark? I feel like the
0: Broncos... Sure. Well, I be, think the Raiders are a question mark, too, only because I think the Raiders could be good. No. Really? The, I, not Why, good. just because of Derek Carr? I mean, the Raiders have great personnel on defense. They've been drafting great No, they do They suck on defense. But they got Ngakwe... Yeah, a, who can still play? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland Farrell from Clemson's good. Yeah, Jonathan Abram is a great. Is a great defensive back. I don't know. No, See, no. I am the. I don't. Th- I think the Broncos are definitively the worst team we're going to talk about today. No way. Why Dude, are the their Broncos roster, good? Their roster's way better than the Raiders, except for that they have a terrible quarterback.
1: If I don't, well, that that is the question mark. But. That's, I mean, but they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. So if Locke sucks, then they could just go to to Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't think he's much worse, if not the same, as Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr's a little bit better, but Bridgewater's not not that much worse. Yeah, Yeah, he's fine. Dude, their offensive weapons are really, really good. See,
0: I'm just not in on those guys yet.
1: What do you mean? How are you not in on... I, I just think that, like... Judy and those guys. Judy's great. He just doesn't have. Good, he hasn't had good quarterback play. If you look at the the amount of separation that he gets on on his routes, he just hasn't been getting the football. And then Cortland Sutton is I mean, a freak. You just hope that he's. Com- I mean, he's, I know he's coming back from a, an injury, but then they got Deshaun uh, Hamilton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fance, one of the like right. best I, athletic I know. tight ends. I, I would take.
0: The, I would take Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller over those guys.
1: No, Javante Williams, the 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 rookie running back that they got. Who where is he from? Uh, North Carolina. Mm. I think so. A lot of people had him as the best running back coming out. Interesting. He just wasn't like the bigger school, bigger name. Sure. But he's looked really good in the preseason, and you know their offensive line has has been improved. I, I, I and then obviously you have you know Von Miller and Chubb
0: and does Miller still have any juice? That's what I want I, to
1: know. I think so. And then they're pretty good on the back end. I know they got they have good safeties. Get they get Patrick Sertan at corner. Like dude, the Broncos. Roster is, is good, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sharp betters and pro betters that have that have hit the Broncos over nine and a half wins this year. Um, That's what their over under set at, huh? Yeah, nine and a half. Yeah, same with the Chargers. Man. And then the Bron- uh, I think I the Raiders. Know. I think the Raiders are seven and a half. So that kind of shows you at least okay. what Vegas has it at. So I just don't. I think one of the Chargers or the Broncos will be good. And competing for a wild card. I just don't know which one.
0: Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Sports Director, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, here in studio. I, for, I'm a huge John Gruden fan, so I think the Raiders will get it rolling. I like their offensive skill, guys. I think that. Uh, if they can stay healthy on the offensive line, they're they have been good on the offensive line. They have line Waller, the and that's it. Rugs can play, man. Sure, I mean, why he why? didn't do anything last year? I just don't. I don't get why Cortland Sutton and Hamler and those guys get so much hype. They just seem very average to me. Well, because they have a below average quarterback throwing it to. But them. so does the, the Rugs. You could say the same excuse for Rugs. Well, Carr's
1: been way better. Carr's way better than. What do you say? think of Derek Carr?
0: I think Derek Carr is in one of the most random spots in all the NFL. He's like in a tier all by himself. Um, He's kind of like slightly below average, I would say. Like,
1: I'd probably rank him somewhere in the 15 to 20 range
0: in the league. Like when you brought up Teddy Bridgewater, like Derek Carr is better than Bridgewater, right? Yeah. He's say. better than Locke. Yeah. Um,
1: I, He's kind of like... S- I think he's similar to Kirk Cousins. He's kind of like. I would
0: take Derek Carr all
1: day. I know, but you're you're biased. I I think (laughs) I think him and they're about the same. I put him on like kind of like a the Kirk Cousins tier, where they're they show flashes of being good. They also show flashes of being bad.
0: Isn't that the worst quarterback you could possibly have? Yeah, it really because, is. Because then just, you
1: get locked into like paying those guys. And then you're going to just go 7-9. You.
0: You're yeah, never going to get a I no know.
1: pick. It's, it is the worst. It's the worst qu- kind of quarterback to have unless you have just like an absolutely loaded roster. Right. Like the Niners made it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo's in that, in mm-hmm. that tier yep. of, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Overall, probably not the best. Probably not, like, you're not, like, super happy with having him as your quarterback. Right. But if you have, like, a loaded roster
0: around him, you can make it work, but it's sure. just so hard to do. It's it's, it's the, it's the, the it's, it was the Marvin Lewis era for the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, they just, they yeah, were just Andy
1: Dalton. He's Andy Dalton of the Bengals. Like, like that's exactly They what he, were just,
0: yeah. they were 7 to 10 wins. They would make the playoffs every other year. They would get just wiped in the playoffs every year. It's kind
1: of like, you know, when you're. You know when you are younger and you're dating and you're kind of you got, you got the girl. <laughs> well, that, I'm old and I'm still dating. Yeah, you got dating, the girl so. that you got the girl that like you you kind of like you know like but she, you know that she she's probably not wife material, but you also like are scared to break up with her because you know she's cool and and you, you don't want to be alone, but. You probably should just uh, you probably should just cut the cord earlier, and then it would have saved you years of your life. That's kind of like how all those quarterbacks that we just she mentioned. You
0: just are. summed up my entire dating life. I just
1: went pretty Colin Coward. <laughs>
0: <on> <laughs> that, <no. laughs> that's that's Coulter Nuanez's yeah. dating life in, uh, in one NFL analogy. Should have cut the cord a long time ago. Sean Rainey joining me, Coulter Nuanez. We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports studio. Northwest Motorsports is located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in Missoula. You can also find them online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. I do think this is a, a fascinating division uh, because I, do, I, 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 I could see that there's a scenario in my head where any of the teams that aren't the Chiefs could win 10 games this year. I, 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 I. Oakland could do put it together. I don't. I'd they're be, not. I'd be surprised if they did. I would be surprised, but I don't think it's impossible. If, if Oakland won nine or ten games, if they won twelve, it would blow my doors off. But if they won nine or ten games, it wouldn't surprise me that much. And I, I see that I can see the what's the Chargers over under for wins because I could see them winning as many as eleven or twelve they're like games. Nine and a half. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if Herbert just lit it, then they could go twelve and four for if sure.
1: If their offensive line is good, and Staley can get the most out of their defense with a healthy Derwin James and yep, Bosa? Like, yep. yeah, they
0: for sure could. My brother, Brooks Nuanes, who's a great contributor to this show and good friends of both of ours, he and Sean and I were golfing a couple weeks ago. My brother was a big-time Barry Sanders fan and a big-time Detroit Lions fan. And uh, I can't remember which draft it was, but whatever the most recent just calamity that the of the Detroit Lions <laughs> in the draft a few years ago, I remember we were... Uh, we were Skyping, or I guess typing, watching the draft. He was in Bozeman, and Lions pick, and I, just, I could just hear him throw his remote controller across the, the living room, and he's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm not a Lions fan anymore. He's like, I'm retiring as a Lions fan. So he's basically been a uh, NFL free agent fan for the last several years, and he told you on the golf course that uh, he's picking the Chargers this year. And I don't blame him because I really like the Chargers too. I mean, we have personal connections to the Herbert family. Mark Herbert, Justin's dad, ran track here at Montana. Mitch Herbert, Justin's brother, played at Montana State. I've communicated with their family so much through the years. Like, I still have a text on my phone from Justin Herbert when he's like 16 years old saying, Hey, I just got offered by the Cats. I heard you were the guy that does the recruiting. And so, uh, and plus, he's just fun to root for. He's an easy guy to root for. He's, he's cool, he's fun to watch. So, uh, I like the Chargers. I think that that division's fascinating. Uh, so, last question on the AFC West before we talk about the NFC West. Are the Chiefs still the, t- the, t- the Chiefs? Are the team to beat in this division for sure? Are they still the team to beat in the NFL? Uh, well, in the AFC, yeah. In the AFC, yeah. yeah. Who's, yeah. who's the team to beat in the NFC? The Bucks, the Bucks obviously, yeah. yeah.
1: Until they're upset. But, like, you know, the, yeah, the Chiefs for sure are the team to beat in the AFC. I think, you know, obviously the Ravens have been really good in the regular season, but it's, yeah, it's got to be the Chiefs.
0: NFC West. Actually, I have a broad question for you before we start diagnosing this. There's been a narrative around the NFL that the NFC West is the best division in football. I believe it's the deepest division, but I don't think that best and deepest are the same thing. To me, if you don't have a team in your division that can win the Super Bowl, I don't think you're the best division in football. You could be the deepest. You're the one that with the most competitive teams that can make the playoffs. And I do think that is the NFC West. But I'm not sure any of these teams can actually win the Super Bowl. Or even the conference, for that matter. So, what do you think, just in terms of when you're determining what's the toughest division of football?
1: What makes you say that that none none of them could win the NFC? Over uh, who? Who? Like, that, that's a good point. That the question is who, right? Because the <laughs> all those teams could be better than the, the Packers or the Bucks. That's true. I I I think the NFC West is is by far the best division. Okay. I I understand. I would I understand your metric as far as. See, I think the AFC North is the best division. No, um, it's it's the NFC West because the NFC West. I would agree with your with your metric as far as like if they had four teams, you have four teams that go eight and eight, or God, I hate the stupid seventeen game. Oh, thing, this you know? is gonna it's screw me just, up for life. I'm so used to doing the eight and eight, not you know nine seven. I'm so used to that. So let's just go back so to the all 16. those over
0: unders are for seventeen games. I, know, I didn't even really, think of that. It's dumb. Um, so for making so over say, and under
1: bets, remember it's a
0: seventeen game season because I'm all twisted up over this. Okay,
1: so if you have you know four teams that go five hundred, is that better than having you know two teams that have twelve wins, right? Two teams that have you know twelve losses or whatever, right? I I, I struggle with that, and it kind of just depends on the situation. But I think that the NFC West definitely has. Three contenders that I that I think could win the NFC. I think I think there are paths to the Seahawks, the uh, Rams, and the 49ers all winning the NFC.
0: So let's start with the Seahawks because we are the official affiliates for the Seattle Seahawks. We'll have all the Seahawks action all season long, uh, efforting and and hopefully can have the return of the 12 for the 12 segment as well with uh, Mike Dugar, our good buddy from the Athletic. He was our Seattle Seahawks insider. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on this fall. I will fully admit that one of the only I I am biased towards Kirk Cousins. One of my only other bias that I have I cannot get over when I'm analyzing is I am always wrong about the Seahawks because I just can't stand Russell Wilson and I can't stand the Seahawks narrative and the the culture and all the things that everybody loves. I know that I'm in the minority in this, especially in Western Montana, but I always am wrong about the Seahawks because my bias does trickle into my brain. I just don't think the Seahawks are good because I don't like them and I I know that it makes me a bad analyst when it comes to the Seahawks and I I know a lot of our listeners love the Seahawks. That's why we're bringing you the games because this is not about me. This is about you guys. But so break it down for me with Seattle because uh, I always think they're going to be worse than they are but then they always just win 11 or 12 games and they're just in the playoffs every year.
1: Yeah because Russell Wilson is the top five quarterback in the league. He is
0: and Pete Carl's one of the best coaches in the league.
1: Yeah and they've and they've
0: had a good defense.
1: They have a good home field advantage Yep. So as long as you got a top five quarterback and a good defense, like you're always going to be good. Yep. And this, this division is going to be fascinating this year. It is. I I guess I wouldn't be like completely shocked if Arizona ended up being, you know, the team that won it, but I'd be pretty surprised.
0: Um, yeah, I, I don't think Arizona's going to win this division. They could make a push for a wild-card spot, though.
1: But, they, I mean, they could be solid. Um, it's just that division is just absolutely brutal. Um, Seattle's, I mean, they're going to be solid. Um, they're, they're again, they're around the 9.5 wins. Um, and, I've, I mean, they always seem to go over. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how their new offensive coordinator, kind of, uh, you know, attacks, defenses. There's a lot of talk out of camp that they're going more up-tempo and going to let Russ cook, you know, things like that. Last year was so... This is the stuff that makes me hate the
0: Seahawks, man.
1: Last year was so weird, though, because, like, Russ was throwing it a bunch and the offense was, you know, awesome. And then... They stopped doing it. Yeah, and then their offense just, like, went in the tank and then their defense started becoming good. I don't know. It, It was a weird...
0: It was a weird... Yeah, I mean Russell Wilson lit the league on fire for the first six weeks of the year, and then they stopped doing yeah, it, was, it. Why?
1: It was weird. Well, he, they started. You know, he started throwing some more interceptions, and it was kind of a lot on him taking some shots, and I don't know. But it'll be so it'll be interesting to see how their new offensive coordinator kind of attacks defenses. I think a healthy Chris Carson, at least for a little while, he's always seemed to get nicked up, and then yeah, you know is. they get Penny back, uh, DK Metcalf. Obviously taking another step towards being, you know, an elite wide receiver. And then they just locked up Jamal Adams, who's, you know, really good on the back end of that defense. So as long as their defense could get some pressure, I think that's what separated this recent Seahawks team from those that went to the Super Bowl. They just don't get pressure like they used to. Um, I mean, they used to be all over the quarterback. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and they've kind of lost. Well, part
0: of that's because their secondary was so good, too.
1: Yeah, but they always they were always really good at generating pressure. Oh, they ha- for sure. They well, Michael
0: Bennett and they Frank have it, Clark. I mean, those guys are elite. Yeah, they ha- and
1: they haven't really found they haven't really found that guy. Um, and so that'll be kind of a, a, a key spot. But yeah, I mean, the Seahawks are going to be they're going to be good, man. And you know, getting fans back in the stands and everything is obviously going to help them. Um, it's just uh, you know how good would the rest of the division be? I think to me, I think there's the least amount of question marks with the Seahawks than any other team in this division.
0: Sure. I think you I would I think, actually agree with that.
1: I think we know what we're gonna get from the Seahawks. I mean, I think yeah. they're gonna go ten and six or nine and seven at the worst, and you know, probably uh gosh, see, I'm used to saying like eleven and five. I know. Uh twelve and five at the best. <laughs> you know, like they're gonna be they're gonna be in the, a three game window of those opportunities.
0: I, I, I agree. I agree. Nuana's now Sean Rainey in studio with me, Colter Nuanas. Breaking down the NFC West right now. A little NFL chatter. Are the Rams a real contender for the NFC uh, Championship as well as the Super Bowl now with the addition of Matt Stafford? Yeah. I think so, too.
1: Yeah. He's uh better than Jared Goff. The question is, though, and this is going to be kind of a fascinating thing to watch as the season goes along. They are very thin now. That roster is not very deep. And they're pretty thin at a lot of
0: positions. They are because that's what happens when you pay guys like they are. Yeah, in, and, and they, like
1: Donald. a lot of people, like the casual fan, might not understand. Like they lost a lot of dudes on defense. Mm-hmm. They lost good corners. They lost good safeties. Yep. They lost yep. uh, their second pass rusher. Like they've they lost a lot of guys who were key contributors to that team. And not to mention, you know, the guy that we mentioned earlier, show Brian Staley, the defensive coordinator. So they've they've lost a lot of pieces. And you're hoping, and then Cam Akers obviously hurting, getting out for the year with an Achilles, really hurts them because, man, he looked really good. He did look look really good. Um, And and
0: Henderson's streaky. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's okay. And I think that
1: offense will be able to pump out production out of the running back spot, but Akers was just kind of a different different breed. Um, So you're just hoping that Stafford can overcome the loss of all those guys, and then you're just kind of hoping that if you have Aaron Donald – And Jalen Ramsey on defense—that you can, you know, figure it out even without the, you know, with the loss of, you know, three, four really good to solid guys that you did. Um, And so I think, well, I think we'll see. This this season is going to be a lot on Sean McVay because if he's the the offensive genius and the guru that a lot of people have made him out to be, right? Then. Stafford will like will unlock a different level to his to Sean McVay's offense For sure. that Jared Goff never could.
0: For sure, that's a great way so, of saying so it.
1: So we will, we'll, we'll, so we'll find out. Yeah, and and if not, then either McVay is not as genius as we're all made out to be, or Stafford isn't necessarily as good as it made it out to be, but. You know, We'll see, and I also don't think if the Rams have a few injuries, especially on the defensive side, they might be in trouble there. So
0: we'll see how the season goes for them. Nwana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. We still have two more teams to talk about in this division, the 49ers and uh, the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to do that here in just a little while. we got to get out right now, though, so we'll keep talking NFL, and then we will also uh, have a little bit more analysis on the saga that is Naomi Osaka press conferences and just the way that media is evolving In the modern era. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula.
2: to
4: more. One two three. One is now on ESPN Radio.
0: Opening line, one of the greatest opening lines. Law of Queens of the Stone Age, man. If they could ever just make their way, meticulously. Yeah,
1: they her. are so.
4: They're so good. <laughs> Tommy, the go. Queens
1: of the Stone Age are my favorite. <laughs> I will tell you what,
0: you. Did, I'm out of it today, I think, because you got me there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, Sean. Nuanas <laughs> now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Sean Rainey joining me, Colter Nuanas. In the Northwest Motorsport Studio, Northwest Motorsport is new to Missoula. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. If you don't get the inside joke, it's because Sean doesn't know any musical artists. He just knows the songs, sort of, but not really. And uh
1: I've never heard of <laughs>
0: Stoney. Have, yes. have you heard never of yes? Have you heard of them? Have you heard of Dave Grohl?
1: No. Okay.
0: <laughs> Dave Grohl is the drummer for Nirvana. You've heard of Nirvana, yeah? Great. Have you heard of the Foo Fighters? Yeah. Okay, so the Foo Fighters was Dave Grohl's second band. Queens of the Stone Kay. Age is Dave Grohl's third band. Gotcha. Dave Grohl is what, just, Does he not get along with people or what? No, Dave Grohl just plays a bunch of different instruments. So he's mm-hmm. he is a different, like... He does a different uh, thing each time. Right, like Dave yeah. Grohl's the lead singer of the Foo Fighters and plays the guitar, but he was the drummer of Pearl Jam, didn't sing. And Nirvana. The, or, excuse me, Nirvana. Okay. Gosh, sacrilegious to say that he's the drummer of Pearl Jam. Um... And then uh, in Queens of the Stone Age, he plays the drums and sometimes the guitar and doesn't sing either. He's not the lead singer. So, anyways, uh, musical reviews with Sean Rainey. We're going to attack more NFL here in about, oh, 15 minutes and also give you a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. But first, we are going to discuss something we've been discussing a lot. I think that uh, a lot of this sort of, quote-unquote, controversy or discussion about mental health is such a double-edged sword. I think it's beneficial, but also I wonder if it's becoming a crutch. I don't want to really go down that road, though. The Naomi Osaka saga is interesting for different reasons to me. It is such an analysis of modern-day media. What is the responsibility of the media? What is the responsibility of athletes to engage with the media? All the formats that you can gather. I mean, Sean and I both know this because we do interviews all the time, and I think you would probably agree. You and I, when we're doing you know press conferences or group style interviews, that's fine, and we know how to handle it, and we've done it so much that you know we can get fine stuff out of it. But it's always better when you're one on one, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like when you when you got Sammy Kim there just by himself, you're always going to get better stuff. Yeah, same thing on the radio; it's always yeah. just better one on one. So I, I do wonder if part of this is a format issue, but then there's also just the discussion of who is the media? What is the media? You you used to have to have so much clout to be a part of it, and we still do because we of the places that we work. That's what gives you sort of the authority. ESPN, ABC Fox, like those are legitimate national entities. But there's all sorts of people that are covering sports now across the board that uh, – maybe don't have that same clout. And so it it becomes sort of this muddied waters and I think it's fascinating. So before we get to our analysis of this, Naomi Osaka has said multiple times, she doesn't like doing press conferences uh, certain times before big majors. She says she thinks it's distracting, she doesn't like talking about it. But then this has sort of turned into, Naomi Osaka doesn't like the media, Naomi Osaka doesn't want to do interviews. Naomi Osaka is a big baby for not wanting to do interviews. I think that the point is getting sort of uh, misread. So, before we analyze this, we're going to play this. This is just five minutes or so from a press conference earlier this week. And uh, you'll hear the whole setup here. So, Tommy, go ahead.
5: Omi Osaka put her head down and was fighting back tears after a reporter asked Osaka's training for the upcoming hardcore season was progressing. And for her thoughts on the events in Haiti, where a 7.2 magnitude earthquake struck on Saturday. Osaka's father is a native of Haiti, and she pledged to donate her winnings from the tournament to help the country. Just prior to that question, she was asked a triggering question by a Cincinnati Inquirer reporter. We have that presser. Let's listen in now. Here's Naomi.
4: It's Paul Doherty from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Let's follow up on that last question. Um, you're not crazy about dealing with, with, with us especially in this format, yet you have a lot of outside interests that are, that are served by having a media platform. I guess my question is, how do you balance the two? And, and also, do you have anything you'd like to share with us about what you did say to Simone Biles?
3: Um, When you say, I'm not crazy about dealing with you guys, what does that refer to?
4: Well, you've said you, you don't especially like the press conference format. And yet that seems to be the, the, obviously, the most widely used means of communicating to the media and through the media to the public.
3: Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I would say the occasion, like when to do the press conference is what I feel is the most difficult. But... hmm. Sorry, I'm thinking. Um, I think we can move on to the next question, Naomi. Do you want to move on to the next question? Um, no, I'm actually very interested in that like point of view. So if you could repeat that, that would be awesome.
4: Uh, the question was that you're not especially fond of of dealing with the media, especially in this format. You have suggested there are better ways to do it that, that we'd like to try to explore that. Uh, my, my question, I guess, was you also have uh, outside interests beyond tennis that, that are served by having uh, the, the platform that the media presents to you. My, uh, my question is, how, how are you able, how do you think you might be able to best balance the two?
3: for me I feel like this is something that I can't I can't really speak for everybody I can only speak for myself but ever since I was younger I've had a lot of media interest on me and I think it's because of my background as well as you know how I play Um, because in the first place I'm a tennis player that's why a lot of people are interested in me. So I would say in that regards, I'm quite different to a lot of people. And I can't really help that there are some things that I tweet or some things that I say that um, kind of create a lot of news articles or things like that. And I know that it's because I've won a couple grand slams um, and I've gotten to do a lot of press conferences that these things happen. but I would also say like I I'm not really sure how to balance the two. Like I'm figuring it out at the same time as you are, I would say. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Paul. We've got we're gonna do four more questions or four more journalists. We're gonna go Courtney, Jeff, Stewart, and then Ben Rothenberg. So Courtney, please go ahead and state your name and publication, please. Thank you. Yeah. Uh Courtney Nguyen, WTA Insider uh
2: hello naomi hopefully it's okay if i ask a couple of tennis questions um the first one is just uh uh how the training has been and how your preparation has been for the for the summer hard court swing and the second one is just related to your tweet over the weekend uh related to what's going on in haiti um and uh and yeah um just what your reaction is to the news there thank
3: you Um. sorry No, you're super good. Okay, I think we're just going to take a quick break. Just uh, we'll be back in one moment.
5: Osaka's agent was quick to stand up for his client, issuing a statement through a freelance reporter for the New York Times. The bully at the Cincinnati Inquirer is the epitome of why player media relations are so fraught right now. Everyone on that Zoom will agree that his tone was all wrong and his sole purpose was to intimidate really appalling behavior. And this insinuation that Naomi owes her off-court success to the media is a myth. Don't be so self-indulgent.
0: So there you go. Naomi Osaka, one of the biggest tennis stars in the world, continues to uh, b- sort of be brewing controversy when it comes to her interactions with the media without really doing much. I thought she handled that very well. Um, I, 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 it, it, this is a, is a very interesting um, dynamic. Your thoughts on this first, Sean. Sean Rainey, by the way, ones well, now.
1: The thing that struck me, um, obviously she got emotional afterwards. I thought that her interaction with the reporter um, was one... Uh, I didn't think there was any hostility there. You know, when, when he initially asked the question... Sure. It's not like she dismissed it or or thought it was disrespectful. Like, she was kind of inquisitive mm-hmm. about how he proposed the question and then it was the agent afterwards that called the reporter a bully sure. that i think is making this the more of a controversy than it initially was right. i'm curious to see if if osaka thinks that he was a bully right or if that was just the agent speaking up for the client because I, I that, that that was only the second time I've listened to that. I listened to it the very first time, and then I saw that the agent reaction, and so I really wanted to. I was listening to the tone and the way that the reporter phrased the question to see how if if he did it in a bully type way. And to be honest, I, I thought it was a fair question, and I thought he phrased it in a in a fine way. I I didn't really see too much of an issue
0: with it. To be honest, did you? I didn't. No, I didn't see too much of an issue with it, to be sure. I will say this. I will say uh, the way that you phrase questions and also the tone that you use while asking questions is so very, very important, and I think that's the thing that's, that's the lost art of our craft, I believe. I... First of all, I I would say that talking on the radio live for two hours a day has made it so that I am way better at asking questions because I practice listening to my own voice, my own delivery and everything is is a, a level of practice but i don't think he was bullying her at all but i also think that he could have gotten a better answer with with being a little less sharp and a little bit more enthusiastic that's one thing you're so good at is making especially when you're interviewing kids when you make it fun then they have fun yeah. you know yep. you're so good at that with high school kids especially
1: yeah they yeah and i tell this cuz i'm in a, i'm in a position at abc fox and swx where You know, I'm the sports director and I kind of oversee a handful of reporters. And one of the things that I tell all of them when they're first starting out is like kind of the the energy in the way that you ask a question, you're often gonna get that same type of energy. Yep. And they're like they're gonna meet that in the response. Yep. So if you are wanting to ask like a fun joking question, then you have to be laughing and smiling. And joking along with the question. For sure. So then they kind of react in a a similar fashion. Um, But I I don't know. I I didn't, like, could it have been asked a little bit better? Sure. Yes. But I didn't, it didn't strike me as a bully, Sure. Um, type of question. I mean, it was just the... the but also,
0: her reaction was fine, too. Like, she, she got emotional about a question that was about Haiti, and and uh, that's fine, too. I, I I guess this just seems like a, a whole bunch to do about nothing to me.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, and the, the one comment at the end, though, was, like, thinking that, you know, um, she needs the media, and, sure. and he, he as that media person, it's then elevating his importance because... Sure. She can't do what she needs without him. The media to get a message across is kind of a whole other subject. Um, sure, that was interesting. But I thought it was I thought it was a fine question because, and and I thought her answer of it's not necessarily the press conference in general; it's when they are right. And she's and that's what she has stated was that she just doesn't like doing those before a match because it kind of they they make her anxious and it's just a lot on her plate, you know. Um, and he was just asking, like, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you use – how do you not want to do media but sure. then at the same time use media to promote or talk about things uh, that you uh, want to talk about?
0: The last point I'll make on this is that I do think that one of the biggest flaws in current modern-day media, especially sports media, is that when someone is different based on their ethnicity or being the first of their kind in a particular sport – Those stories are naturally going to always be done early on in that person's career, but I think that we beat that dead horse so much now. Like, Naomi Osaka is a minority tennis player. We get it, but you don't need to keep doing that story. She's already won Grand Slams and stuff. It's just like when Tiger Woods was coming up. The, The story of Tiger Woods being... Uh, A minority golfer Was It just Was beat to death And it's like Why can't we Okay He broke through He won the Masters There used to not be Black people allowed At the Masters He broke the course record And okay We told the story You don't need to tell that story For 20 more years We're all just people I, I just think that it's crazy That we make all this stuff Like Sports is supposed to be fun Man We're supposed to just be having fun Why can't we just appreciate This young lady For her tennis talents Stop asking about earthquakes Let's talk about
1: tennis I do think, too, though, um, yeah, it's it's a a case of, like, obviously a few um, bad ones that have a certain agenda that they want to get across. But also, I do find, especially in today's social media, where um, a coach will have, like, a ridiculous reaction. Like, we had Popovich in the Olympics. Have a couple uh, snarky remarks. to. Sure. Fair questions. Yeah. But people will kind of always take the side of the athlete or the coach. Sure. In today's age, because they just think, you know, media and they... uh, you know, don't really like the media. Um, and so uh, I do think that there's a lot of times where the questions are fair and the coaches or players will have a snarky response and people think that, that it's, like, cool or, like, a funny response when sometimes, like, you know, the athlete or the coach can just be being disrespectful, too.
0: That's the, the hardest part about what we do is – and we, we've got it pretty good right now. Uh, I think that especially at the college level – uh, pretty pretty smooth going right now in terms of, you know, what we get to access and all that. But having cantankerous relations, I, I, I guess that it's often, oftentimes, especially coaches, they seem to not either comprehend or care that we're not like these rabid fans we're at work and <laughs> we love our jobs, but it's like, this is my job I'm trying, I'm working just like you are. And so, you know, the respect that I, sometimes they just treat like, Oh, you just, you don't have a real job. You're just in the media. It's like, well, no, that's what I do for a living. So uh, respect me. Cause I'm trying to respect you to be continued because I think that the saga and the overlay between the media and, uh, athletes, is going to rapidly evolve as we move forward here because things like the Players' Tribune and Twitter and now this name, image, and likeness stuff at the college level, it's all going to be completely uh, impactful, and it's going to continue to change and shift, and we will continue to analyze it here on ESPN Missoula. Less serious stuff, fantasy football. That's fun. We're talking fantasy football and giving you a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill right after this. Keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. The is now on ESPN Radio. like when I sit I look so short that's why I like Sean though because he sits (laughs) too (laughs) we got a lot of tall co-hosts right here Rajim's tall, Sean Rainey's tall Snuana's now 102.9 ESPN Missoula or as I can see my short self on TV SWX Montana television thanks so much for hanging out with us here on a Wednesday you hungry? I know you are I'm hungry, I'm always hungry we got a dozen wings of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you this is the uh, Wing It Wednesday, as a, and uh, we are evolving Wing It Wednesday now to have some fancy football fun this uh, this season. So today, just call us 888-1029. That's eight 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 one zero two nine. Caller number two got a dozen wings. The Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you. So give us a call right now 406-888-1029. Caller number two, 12 wings. The Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Moving forward, we're gonna you're gonna either have to call or text us and ask. Us, uh, some fantasy football advice, but nobody's drafted their teams yet. So uh, this is just broadly a fantasy football. It's, com- mo- it's mock season. It's Off mock season. season. That's I'm right. Doing one right now. Look at you, dude. Just for you know. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah. Um. So in your mock, who did you take number one? Who was your well, first w- pick? So
1: I had the third pick. Okay. I went with Kamara. That's so, good. So it's kind of it's a uh, you know it's been I think McCaffrey. And Dalvin Cook are kind of the the top two. And then I think it it then gets interesting after that. I think it's then you have, you know, the question between like Kamara and Derrick Henry. Maybe even, you know, if you wanted to go some Travis Kelsey's going like really, really high uh, this year. Some people like Saquon, if they think he's gonna be healthy Zeke. Kind of in that conversation to Adams, maybe. But yeah, I went with Kamara. But it's going to be a very... It's just going to be – there's a lot of uh, question marks with the Saints this year because you just don't know exactly what their offense is going to be. Is Jameis Winston good? I think he's good for fantasy. I think so too. Like, I I don't know if he's good in real life, but for (laughs) fantasy-wise, like, he was awesome for the Bucs. Like, in all their weapons, like – because he's just flinging it, man. He doesn't care. I'd rather have a quarterback like that for fantasy than, you know, like Alex Smith. You know, like some guy that's just going to check it down and like be safe with the football and never turn it over. I don't care about that. You throw a pick six, that just means the offense is back out on the field, <laughs> getting
0: me more fantasy points, baby. Let's uh, go. That's hilarious. What you got? Any fantasy sleepers this year? Anybody really going for?
1: Um, yeah, there's a few. What what do we want to go by? Some position groups, or do you want to? Do, do you have
0: any any receivers that you like as a fantasy sleeper? Running backs are so interesting in fantasy right now because in the league. Pretty much everybody. Here, let me bring up the rankings so I can go down the list. The, the the league is one way or the other, right? You either have a feature back, an elite guy, an Alvin Kamara, a Dalvin Cook, a Ezekiel Elliott, or you have running backs by committee. When you have, if you get one of the guys that are not one of the elite guys, then you have to just roll the dice and and see when the guys are the, the hot hand, or you know, really monitor roster status, who's going to get carries, when? because. It's tough, you know, like the Rams last year. Sometimes Henderson would score a couple touchdowns. Sometimes he wouldn't hardly even get any carries. Sometimes Cam Akers was the guy. You never knew. And so I think that the running backs, it's like you got an elite guy or or you don't. And then you really have to work at it. I think,
1: it. yeah, I think um, when you're looking at, um, I mean, outside of like the consensus, like, you know, top 10 at each position where there's sure. not a lot of debate and they're all going, you know, that they're all going to be good. I think after that, when you're looking at team construction, I think my biggest advice is you have to look at opportunity and workload. And so for running back, I think it's just, I, I, like, I will take a lesser talented guy who has more of an opportunity than a guy who's might be talented but is in a, in a crowded position. Sure. Um, and, and we've seen that. Like Mike Davis last year, uh, Christian McCaffrey goes out, Mike Davis steps in. And was a, a pretty good fantasy running back
0: last year. Yeah,
1: he now goes to like Atlanta and really has no other, you know, like competition. So uh-huh. I'd rather take a guy who's not that great, but he's got the role. Sure, over you know a, a, a super crowded, you know, you know backfield. Um, and so that that's how I like for running backs. And then with pass catchers, there's only so much of a piece of the pie when it comes to how many targets you are going to get. So a lot of times I think you really have to in fantasy, there's not many teams, pretty much no teams that have more than three guys that will be fantasy relevant as far as pass catchers go. And it doesn't have to be both wide receivers. It could be a tight end. So, Let's say, like you're like the Chiefs, for instance. A lot of people, like McCole Hardman has been like a sleeper on people's sleeper list forever. The Chiefs' number two wide receiver has never been fantasy relevant. Sure. Because you have Tyreek Hill and you have... Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. And yeah. they're going to soak up... So many points. All the targets. Yeah. So there's just not that much left over. Remember, like, they brought in Sammy Watkins or... Ooh, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah. With, with Mahomes. That sounds great. Well, he's going to go to Tyreek Hill and he's going to go to Kelsey... And Watkins might get a little bit extra, but not a ton.
0: And it's so inevitable when you have a guy like Sammy Watkins too that he will have a two touchdown game, and you'll have him on your bench.
1: Yeah. So like, <laughs> I rather have. So if you're if you're on the fence between certain guys, like I rather go with a guy who I know is going to be the top two in the targets on that team than a guy who's going to be the third in targets um, that's in a in a good situation. You know, and so I. I think a lot of it is just, you know, whatever your team construction is. Also, like, if you have, you know, more of a, a solid known commodity at a certain position, like, let's say you have, you know, like a, a Keenan Allen as, as your sure. first wide receiver, a guy who you know is going to get, you know, probably, you know, six catches a game for 80 yards and, you know, and about eight touchdowns a year and is safe and consistent. Then you could go kind of a, with a boomer bust pick with your second guy. You know, but if you have kind of that boomer bus guy as your as a first pick, then maybe you go safer with your second one. So a lot of it is like kind of team construction, um, and and things like that. And I also think that there's also this myth, and I have this argument with Ben Wyman, our anchor, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Benny's Benny's a recovered sports reporter. He uh, Yeah, and he doesn't do fantasy anymore. He's just He just he used to do it all out. the time and he's just like I have more I, I enjoy the games more when I don't do it. And I was like, "I, I kind of get that." I thought
0: this was going to be the year that I did that, but I already just accepted your invite to the, Love <laughs> it. To the SWX League, so I got to do it, I, I guess. Think,
1: but I think there's this like um myth out there that like if you're on a bad team or a bad offense, you can't be fantasy relevant, and that's just that's not true. It's just not true. It de- it just depends on what your situation is. So, like, one of my... Like, TJ Hawkinson, for, for example, as a tight end. Like, I think he could have a huge year because who else are the Lions going to throw the ball to? Right. Like, they sure. don't have any weapons on offense to throw it to. So, he's going to get so many targets and a lot of the target share at tight end in that situation and their offense won't be that good. They're not going to be all that good. But I think he could have a huge season just because... There's not a lot of options to go to. I think a lot of people are like, ooh, uh, you know, Gerald Everett's going to the Seahawks. He's, like, super talented and, you know, could put up these huge numbers. Imagine, like, a guy like that that can run like that and catch like that with paired up with Russell Wilson. It's like, okay, but DK Metcalf is going to get his. Tyler Lockett is going to get his. And they're going to run the ball with Chris Carson. So, like, how much really is there for Gerald Everett to be a consistent player Fantasy player for you, week in and week out, as opposed to a TJ Hawkinson who's going to get all of the targets weekly, and you just know that that's going to happen. You know, um, so I think that is just something you need to to think and and know in your in your mind as far as target share goes, and not be so worried about touchdowns or exact um, production from the year before because a lot of it is just target based. I rather have a guy that gets targeted 150 times. That only scored, you know, six touchdowns, rather than the guy that was targeted eighty times and happened to have ten touchdowns, because those are that's just math. Those can come and go and are not reliant based, you know, uh I, just give me the targets. Nuanas
0: now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, Sean Rainey in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Hour one of the books, hour two, coming at you hot. All things football. Bobby Houck, Brent Vegan, Dan Hawkins. And more on the NFC West. All that and more, our number two. Keep it right here on ESPN Missoula.